What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Wizards of Gallery Place podcast. Brennan and Damo back on the show, and today we have a guest for the first time in quite some time. I think, Damo, when was the last time we had Chase Hughes on? That was, like, before the season started, right? Yeah. Yeah. Over the summer. Yeah, so it's been a while before we had someone on, but this is going to be the first of a few episodes where we're going to collaborate with different people. Um, we're going to do an episode where we collaborate with D and Ed from Locked on Wizards. Quentin Mayo is going to come back on soon. So we have a few episodes coming up where we're going to have different people on. And definitely excited to, to get it started today with Matt Moderno from the Believe in Wizards podcast. Matt, what's going on, man? Uh, not much, fellas. I'm uh, privileged to be part of the crew there. Glad we could uh, do a little crossover action here. So uh, thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, anytime that we can get together with different Wizards fans who love the team just as much as we do and agree, disagree on things, it's going to be great. And today we're going to be doing a couple different things. So we're going to do midseason player grades, which we I was telling Damo, like, we probably should have done this a couple episodes ago. I don't know why I didn't think of to do this sooner, but I guess it's better late than never. And then we'll have the Bradley Beal discussion, which has been all over Twitter and causing all kinds of controversy. And then at the end, if we have some time, I don't think we will, but we'll go over some some trade stuff. But so here's how we're going to do this. I randomly did, well, I gave us, I assigned us all numbers and then I did a number randomizer in the order of which we give our grades. And so the order that they came in is Damo will go one, Matt, you'll go two, I'll go last, and then we'll just move on to the next player. And the players we are not going to be doing this for are Thomas Bryant, Rui Hachimura, Joel Ayayi, um, Anthony Gill, basically anyone who didn't play any significant minutes or is just rejoining the team. So we'll go ahead and start, though, and we'll kind of work our way from the bottom and go up. Uh, and Damo, we'll, we'll start with you, of course, but let's hear it for Davis Bertans. What do you got for his grade? F. Yeah, F. Um, pretty plain and simple. Like he he's not shooting the ball at the clip that he needs to in order to offset how bad he is on defense. Um, he doesn't rebound. He doesn't pass. He doesn't he steals blocks. Any of that stuff. So all of his value is in his ability to to make threes, and he's not making them at a at a great enough clip to offset. Uh, the the rest of his lacking um, ability. So yeah, F for me. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna have to agree with you there. I got an F for get the fuck off my team. I mean, how does a guy <laughs> that shoots like he basically shoots what Denny shoots from three, except he does none of the other good things that Denny does. So why do we need to give him twenty million dollars a year? Like it, it's he hurts my feelings every time he plays. All right, I'm going to be a little bit nice to Davis. And, you know, he's been shooting the ball better, I think, as the season has progressed. I mean, we don't need to get into it last year. And last year, percentage-wise, he wasn't even a bad shooter. But for his expectations and what we had of him, it certainly was was not good at all. And this season started off with much of the same. But I feel like he has improved a little bit in that regard. Um, So I'm going to be a little bit nicer to Davis. And he was actually playing defense at the beginning of the season, but 
no one has really been playing defense since they decided to, to pick up the pace on offense. So it's not just him, but I will give Davis a solid D. I, I think that's what I'm going to give him. Um, so moving on now to Aaron Holiday. Holiday, I'm going to give, because if you look at his raw numbers, they're actually not that bad. But no, then when you, when you watch him play, it's like, it's kind of cringy sometimes. So I'm going to give him a, I'm going to give him, because he is, I mean, he was a third guard in Indiana. He's, he's, he's been pretty much a third or fourth guard here. I'm going to give him a C. I'm going to just give him a C. Yeah, I struggled with this one a little bit, too, because, like, you watch him some nights, and you're like, okay, like, all right, he's not bad. Like, maybe he should get some more minutes, and when you contrast him with just Neto, who we'll get to, like, sometimes it's it's looked pretty good. Uh, but, yeah, I think overall you got to give him somewhere in, like, the C range. He, he just not – he's not capable of being a full-time backup. It's weird to me that he couldn't beat out TJ McCollum, who's actually a good player, but still – and then he can't beat out Neto for whatever reason. Like, clearly something's going on behind the scenes there. So I, I think C seems like a fair grade. Yeah, I'm going to go with the same thing. I debated over like the, the C plus C range, but I think C is pretty solid again because even when he does get in sometimes, it, he does some wild stuff and was pretty anti-pass at the beginning of the season. And um, we'll get into the, the minutes of guys and all that, I'm sure, when we have the, the Beal discussion in a little bit. But yeah, I, I think I'm going to have to go with a C for Aaron Holiday as well. Um, starting back at the top with Corey Kispert. I'm going to give Corey uh, a B. Um, you know, he he started the year slow. I mean, he came in and, you know, he was missing a lot of threes. Uh, but you saw some some evidence that he was more of a well-rounded, complete basketball player than maybe we originally thought. Um, and now his three ball is starting to fall in addition with his in-between games. So, uh, yeah, I'm gonna give him a B, man. I, I think, I think he's a solid basketball player. He looks like a guy that played at a high level for four years of college. I think these grades are like all based on your expectations for somebody, right? So like, I, I saw all the combine stuff. I watched enough Gonzaga. Like I actually thought he'd be okay laterally and, and he had a little more to his game than, than just being a shooter. So actually like thought he'd come in well and be able to do more than just shoot it so if you'd asked me like two weeks ago i would say this was like a c i think he's like worked his way up to a b minus and if we see like two more weeks of him shooting the ball like maybe i'd go to like a b plus um i am gonna go with a c for Corey kispert and the reason i'm doing that is number one he hasn't been that great um, on the defensive end, and I feel like in most situations, whenever he gets isolated on, it's a bucket every time. And I get that not all of that is his fault. And plus shooting for the for the season. And, you know, we're doing mid-season grades, not the, the grades for the, the past few weeks or whatever. And he is only shooting 32% um, on the three ball for the season. And he does have a nice in-between game, and he's been – a lot more well-rounded than what I thought because I don't watch a lot of college basketball for the most part. But from what I've seen, and he did do some wild stuff at the beginning of the season, you know, um, being hesitant with your shot, getting it blocked and that sort of stuff. So 
Um, I am going to give Corey a C, but if we were doing this based off the the last couple few weeks or so, I mean, yeah, he definitely would be in that B range for for sure. But I, I don't think I can give him a B based off what I've seen from the entire first half of the season for him. Um, moving on to Neto. D. Uh, yeah, and it, and it sucks because I feel like to start the year, he was kind of picking up where he left off kind of last year, kind of being just like this this mini Swiss, Swiss Army knife um, where, you know, we basically had him last year playing like small forward. Uh, he was attacking closeouts, hitting his threes, and defending, um, as well as a six-foot guy he can defend. Um, but like this year, it just, I mean, his, his three ball has just, I mean, his whole jump shot has just fallen off a cliff. Like when he shoots now to me, it's just like, it's no chance of going in, um, defensively. I mean, he gets turned around and, and it seems like he hits the floor, like every other time down the court. Um, and, and guys just pick on him. Man. Every time they see him, it's like, they go one full flat ISO <laughs> and, and more times than not, it's a bucket. Uh, and then offensively, he's like. He just pounds it too much, man. Like it, it, he's never passing, and if he is passing, he's doing like this weird jump pass that ends up a turnover or a deflected ball. Um, it's no flow with it. So, yeah, he's a, he's a D for me, man. I, I but but then he is on a minimum contract, so it's like, what what do you really expect from a minimum contract player? Uh, is Z a grade? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> he's been really bad. Like, he's 22% from three. Like you said, he doesn't pass. He's been roasted defensively. Like, even the times where he's played good, like, aggressive defense, someone still makes a shot over him because he's always six inches shorter than whoever he's guarding. We somehow switch on everything that's involving Neto, which I, I don't remotely understand and isn't really his fault. But the end product is still somebody getting an easy bucket with Neto guarding them. Um, so... It just it fills me with rage half the time when when that happens. So I'm I'm gonna take it out on him. I'm gonna say he's like an easy Z for me. Uh, and I, it's partly because I I loved this dude last year. Like I was president of the Neto fan club, and I tweeted before the year like this is such a steal. How did we get him back on a minimum? And I guess now we know why. Like all the other teams kind of expected this Neto to come back. I guess. Yeah, that was basically the mood from everyone. I remember when me and Damo got on and we kind of were recapping free agency. We were, you know, I we, we don't know how this happened because we were expecting that if we were to keep him, he probably would have been around the, the 5 million range. Mm-hmm. Um, and the fact that we were able to get him back on a vet minimum to presumably be a backup point guard or even a third point guard, I mean, you know, you, you'll take that every time. Um, the idea of Neto is obviously at this point much better than the reality. But he still has had moments this year. Um, I think the most recent one was that Rockets game that we lost down the stretch to that Kevin Porter three. Ironically, it was on Neto. But Neto did play one heck of a game that game, and he has also played multiple games like that this season. Now, they're few and far between. They're not as common as they were last season. But again, you mix that in with the veteran minimum contract. I'm going to give Neto a solid D, maybe a D minus. I'll stick with a solid D, but um, I mean, he definitely is not in my rotation at this point. That's for sure. Um, Moving on to, 
Oh, this will be a fun one. Daniel Gafford. Man, this is tough. I almost want to give him an incomplete because they're not playing him. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go with, man, I'm going to go with a, a B because his, his, his shot blocking, his rim protecting numbers are like up there with Rudy Gobert. But then you have those instances where, you know, he, he, gets, he picks up two or three fouls in the first three minutes and he's basically useless at that point because his confidence is shot. He, he doesn't get back in the game enough to give rhythm. Um, and then and there's other issues with his defense, you know, pick and roll wise and kind of guarding the perimeter that, that leave a lot to be desired. Um, but I'm, I'm going to still give him a B. I just wish I just wish they would play him consistently. So we really, really know what we had. Yeah. I had a B also only because like we're one year removed from him, not even getting on the court for the bulls basically. And mm-hmm. He's at least a serviceable enough starter for us. He's 23. He'll get better. I think we all thought that two big issues for him coming into the year were the conditioning and the kind of crazy fouling. I think the conditioning looks good. I mean, granted, he, when you're only playing 11 minutes a game now, it's hard to tell. But earlier in the year, he had a lot of like 25-minute games and, and stuff like that and, and didn't seem you know, like he was going to die on the court like he did after 15 minutes last year. So I think he addressed one of the issues... I love that he doesn't try to do too much. Like, you know, he's still taking shots from from an area where you feel comfortable with him shooting for the most part. So, I think this is more a them problem than a him problem. I agree, and I agree with both of what you guys said. And I'm going to give Gafford a B minus for the season. And like Damo was saying with the with the fouls and all that, I I don't want that to to wash away whatever else he can bring to the table, but. The problem is you got to be available to do it. And even when he has had opportunities to do that, there have been moments where you're like, Gaff, what are you doing? Like me and Damo talked about it. it was either the last episode or the episode before where he always brings the ball down and gets it stripped and whatever he's around the rim, the ball has to go up. He can never just pivot and kick out and, and find a shooter, just reset the offense. So those are a couple of things that <clears throat> maybe are a little bit picky with me, but that they're, they're plays that can lead to disastrous results on the other end. And to me, like, I just don't want you to be a hazardous player that does hazardous things by turning the ball over. And he still has some tendencies that he needs to work on. But Matt, like you were saying, um, I think this is more of a them problem than a him problem. So I think a B minus is pretty fair for um, what we've seen from Gafford this season. Uh, Denny Abdia. Uh, this is another hard one, to be honest. This one's hard, man. Um, I'm going to go C. Because um, okay. I, I, I'm not grading him as like a total basketball player. I'm, I'm, I'm grading him amongst his peers, right? So I, I guess I'm thinking of it in terms of all of the guys that were drafted with him. Like, where would he slot? And I think he would be right around... You know, the the 10 to 15 range. So just about, I, I would say probably, yeah, I would give him a C. Like, I, I just think he's been he's been good defensively as a one-on-one, you know, ball stopper. Um, his rebounding has been solid. He playmakes uh, pretty well when given the opportunity. But his offense is just so, so bad. Like, even, even against the uh, 
the the Celtics. I mean, he had a wide open layup, left hand layup, and and just blew it. Like, and I'm just like, gosh, man. Um, yeah. So I'm I'm gonna give him a C, but obviously there's room for 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 growth there. I said B minus only because I had pretty low expectations for him coming into the year in, in terms of how he would fit into this rotation. Like I, I thought the offense would still be a work in progress, and I didn't expect him to take the jump he's taken defensively. Like not to this level. Um, I, I thought he'd be a lot better. But if you say he's been an A on defense and a C on offense, like I, I graded that out to like a B minus, maybe even a, a D on offense. Like. When he's confident, he's a lot better player, right? Like last night when he hurt that leg, he just hoisted that three up without thinking about it, and it was like a thing of beauty. And then, you know, the rest of the time he just kind of stands there confused about, you know, what to do. So I think some of that's more confidence than anything. So I, I don't know. I, I think just B minus, C plus, any of that stuff seems like pretty fair. Yeah, I'm gonna give Denny a C plus. I, I think they're like like Damo was saying, I think there's things offensively that um he certainly still needs to work on it. And I don't think by year two you need to be this polished player, but I think you you wanna see improvement in certain areas. And while I think that we are getting there and we're trending in the right direction, we still haven't seen enough to where you can say like he's definitely improved and and XYZ. I don't think that we've gotten there yet. Uh, the If he had been playing defense great the entire season, I'd be more inclined to give him a, a B-. minus. But uh, he stopped playing defense when everyone else stopped playing defense. And it, for a little bit, it was only like, okay, are we going to get good defense tonight? Are we going to get bad defense from Denny? Or And then you mix that in with the not-so-great offense, and, and you're like, well, this is about a, a C-, minus D-plus player. But um, I would like to to point out also that I think that the Denny Abdia situation, again, given his current skill set, is and it's again it's it's hard when you have guys at the top of your roster that get paid money and you want them to do certain things to be in certain positions. I get that, but at the end of the day, I still think this is more of a a them problem than a he problem, kind of like with Gafford a little bit, maybe less so than Gafford. But um, I am going to give Denny a C plus. Uh, Montrez Harrell. give him an a um he's pretty much i mean statistically his his line is pretty much if you do it on a per 36 i mean it's pretty much the same as what it was when he won six man of the year um it's just that he's uh he's kind of in a more limited role here because we run in the whole three center thing and then uh obviously the pecking order as far as uh the the, the scoring um with bill you know kuzma dinwiddie um so yeah, but he's he's been as advertised. I think you nailed it, right? As advertised, and that led into my my grade a little bit here too. I think on the court he's been an A. I knocked him down to like a B plus overall, only just because of some of the off the court stuff, which is also sort of as advertised. Like taking a swing at a teammate, never a great idea. Passive aggressively trolling your coach in media availability, not always a great idea. Like just some of the the complainy stuff like you got to realize what your role was going to be here I guess I I don't know so I I gave him a slight downgrade for that but it's hard to argue with like him being the problem a guy that got MVP chance for the first month of the year like you at least have to give a pretty good grade to 
Yeah, for that reason, I'm going to give Trez a solid B. Um, I was kind of teetering with maybe a B minus, maybe C plus, but I think a solid B is probably fair when you consider the the start that he had to the year. Again, being in MVP conversation on MVP ladders and stuff like that. I mean, you can't ignore that. And, and again, we can't just look at the the last month or so. You have to look at the totality of the first half. Of the regular season. So for that reason, I'm going to give Trez a B. Um, like Matt was saying, I could live with some of the off-court stuff. But again, it's not like we didn't know that some of this stuff may potentially be a problem. But I'm going to go with the B for Trez. KCP. Uh, man. I'm going to go D. Uh, Ooh, spicy. Yeah, I'm gonna go D, man, because I I feel like, but I a lot of it though I don't feel like it's his fault. Um, I feel like a lot of it has to do with just the roster construction. Like we're asking him to be a starting small forward, and he's a backup shooting guard. Um, we're also giving him a lot more freedom on offense, and he should not have that freedom. Um, he's a three and D guy that should be running the corners. Uh and shooting threes only like he should not be trying to play make and, and coming off pin down shooting mid range and long twos. Like it's ridiculous. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna give him a D. Uh, I, I just wish we would use him properly and put him in the proper role so that that, that grade could probably jump up to a B. That's a good call. I didn't think about it. In, in that way, like he really should be somebody's like backup two guard to come in and play situational defense to close out a game or something, not a starting three. So I, I think that's totally fair. Um, I, I gave him a C, KCC, I guess, like just because he's been so feast or famine. You know, someday, sometimes he's like locked down defender on the perimeter. He'll hit five of six threes and like that's an A grade. And then other nights, like, he's getting cooked by somebody, and he's, like, 0 for 6 from 3, so he's an F. So I just kind of tried to average it out. But I've been disappointed that the defense hasn't been as consistent. Like, you heard Wes early in the year say, like, KCP is definitively, like, our best defender. And I don't think we've seen that uh, on a nightly That's basis. That's true. Yeah, at least, at least this calendar year. <clears throat> Yeah, um, I'm going to give KCP a C plus, And I kind of did what you did, Matt, like, you know, on the nights where he's consistent from three and um, is, a, is a solid defender that's A-worthy on nights when he gets cooked by anybody and is like, oh, of six, one from seven, one from eight, whatever it is from three, uh, that's F-worthy. But I think his impact has been more helpful than not. And in terms of him doing the off-dribble stuff, I mean, okay, we would like him to stop dribbling so much and I get it, but there is a lot of the time where he's at the top of the key and the shot clock's winding down. And when he catches the ball, you see him looking around to see if Dinwiddie or Beal or someone is going to come get the ball and no one does. And he's like, well, fuck it. Someone has to do it. And I guess it has to be me. Um, and I feel like lately as the season has gone on, his mid range shot has been better. Like it's not as bad as it was um at the beginning of the season but but again a lot of it is self-inflicted so i can't give you a b for that but i will give kcp a c plus um spicy time dinwiddie 
Oh man, yeah, D. <laughs> like, yeah. uh, you know, D for Dinwiddie. Um, yeah, like his his defense is bad. Uh, his 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 tempo is bad. Uh, his three ball, pretty much any jump shot he puts up is bad. Um, he doesn't really get to the rim as much anymore. Um, I, I just, again, I feel like it's kind of the same thing with KCP. We're asking a uh, six-man combo guard to be a starting point guard in the role of like Alonzo Ball or even CP3 where he can like control the game. And he's not that. So not really, then he's coming off ACL. So it's like it's not so much his fault. But he's kind of again one of them player, another one of those players that thinks he's better than what he actually is, and you know, you know we're we're misusing. <clears> him. <throat> so, uh, yeah, D for Dinwiddie. I I would definitely say D for his defense for sure. Uh, I mean that that's been the kind of most surprising thing to me. I, I thought he'd have like good strength and length and at least like contest a little bit more. Uh, I actually think he's been like better offensively or at least more solid offensively overall like lately um you know he still disappears at times but it's kind of like less crazy stuff I, I think overall but the only reason i gave him a c overall here is just my biggest complaint last year was watching all of the turnovers and at least dinwiddie protects the ball like he's got like a five to one assist to turnover ratio and he had that couple game stretch where he went with no turnovers to like 10 assists and you know, just just that alone, like valuing the ball is important to me. So I gave him like a slight uptick. So I would maybe even go C plus, but it hasn't been pretty a lot of the time. Dinwiddie's going to be the lowest grade I'm going to give someone out of these player grades here, and I'm going to give him a D minus. Um, <clears throat> I don't like giving guys Fs just because I feel like, like, and maybe this is like the the part time coach in me, but I don't like giving guys Fs because I f- I feel like if you at least contribute in some aspect, I don't think that's worthy of being a complete failure. And so D- Dinwiddie helps, right? But I think that when you take role into consideration, what you were asked to do, the money you were paid, injury or not, I don't care. You're out there on the floor. I expect you to perform. If you play with a torn ACL, that is your fault for playing with a torn ACL. That is not mine. And I'm not saying he is or anything. I'm just saying that I'm just using it as an example. If you choose to play with the injury, you know, that's your decision to make. That's not mine. So if you're out there, I expect you to perform. And from the, the like Damo was saying, doesn't really want to get to the rim, can't shoot, is clearly not a fit next to Beal. And so maybe some of that isn't his fault, but I feel like since you were paid that much money, you know, you'd be smart enough to figure it out. And the expectation is held a little bit higher than Bertans because we knew Bertans was going to be a bench player and they were kind of backed into the corner to paying him kind of like how they were with Otto. But Dinwiddie, I mean, they really could have went in multiple different directions, but they chose to pay him and he hasn't lived up to it at all. So sorry, pal, you're getting a D minus for me. And if I could give you a Z like Matt gave earlier, I'd give it to you. Um, Kyle Kuzma. Kuzma, I'm going to give a B. Um, and it's weird because when the when the rust trade happened, I feel like as an asset, I feel like Kuzma was looked at as the worst one coming back as far as, you know, oh, yeah. putting, together, putting together a winning team, like a contending team. Like, 
Kuzma was getting trolled left and right. Um, but he's been the best. He's probably been the best guy out of them, out of the start. That's starting. Um, obviously, Trez has been the best guy. But like as far as a starter and what you what you expected versus what you're getting. Um, even though like the advanced advanced numbers on Kuzma look really bad, um, what I see on the floor uh, to me is a solid B player. Um, I just wish we weren't counting on him to be our second best player night in night out. But you know, it is what it is. This is spoiler. This is my only one of these I gave out, but I gave him an A minus. Uh, just to to that point, like he's been better than I think most people expected him to be. You know, he's about 16 points, 9 rebounds, and 3 assists. I think the playmaking has been a pleasant surprise. The rebounding has been a pleasant surprise. There's no number you can give me to convince me that he hasn't at least been pretty good defensively. The guy challenges stuff. He contests at the rim. He switches effectively. He plays help defense. I think sometimes that probably factors into to some of the the analytics not being so great there is like just them being like chickens with their head cut off defensively overall. Uh, but yeah, I think, you know, a certain member of this podcast has said this a lot, but when he plays 610, uh, he's been an A player. And I think, you know, Kuzma getting downhill is great. And I, you know what? Just having balls and being clutch, like, you should get credit for that. Like, he has single-handedly saved them on, like, four or five occasions this year with a clutch shot. So I think you've got to give him a little boost for that, too. Yeah, that's why I'm going to give him a B plus. I think I'd be more B for the season, like Damo was saying. Just, at the beginning of the season, he was not very good um, besides the clutchness. And then as the season has gone on, now we've kind of seen this this fringe all-star level type player. So um, you mix that in with the the clutch gene that he seems to have. I'll, I'll go ahead and give him a B plus. Um, last one. Last and not least. Bradley, real deal Beal. Is he the real deal? Yeah, so I'm going to give him a C. Um... Cause like just looking at the numbers and just my eye, I know it definitely not last night because he was horrible on the defensive end last night. But his his defense on the whole this year, I think, has been better than any of the defense he's played the last four years. Uh, but his offense has been so brutal and and volatile. Like it's like it kind of takes away from it. Uh, because if you had the offensive player of you had for with Beal last year with the defense he's giving you this year, well, he would, he would be all NBA again, but it's like his defense went up, his playmaking went up, but then his shot went in the toilet. The turnovers went up and it's like, how do you, how do you balance it? Um, and then of course the, the issues in the clutch remain. So yeah, definitely not. He's been better of late, but definitely not the season we thought he was going to have. So, yeah, I'm going I'm to give him a seat. I had probably the hardest time with this one of any of them. I ultimately settled on a C-. minus. Like, individual offense has been bad, like real bad. A high, high usage, 29% from three, a decent amount of turnovers. But the point Beal stuff has been encouraging at times. 
I'm a little cooler on the defense overall, only because it started off really good for like 10 games, and then it just dropped off completely, which a lot of you know a lot of the teams did for like 10 games where we played no defense. And then like now we're back to like, okay, some games he'll like make a couple good contests or whatever. Some of it is them putting him on matchups that don't really make sense too, which isn't totally his fault. But then other nights he looks like he is totally apathetic to guarding anybody. And and that wouldn't be that bad. Like again, I just thought he needed to be a serviceable defender. And that would be okay if you didn't start the year by saying like your goal is to make an all defense team. Like don't say shit like that and set the expectation for I'm gonna really lock in this year on that end. And then do this. Like you raised the bar for yourself. Uh, if he had just said like I'm not gonna be a turnstile We'd have all been like, yeah, you've met that expectation. And then I can't not, like, take him down, like, at least a little notch to the C-. minus, Like, his smug media day, like, gotcha stuff with the vaccine. Like, that's just, like, not, I don't know, like, be a leader. Just, just, that that wasn't cute to me. So I, I landed on a C plus. Or C-, minus. sorry. Yeah, I think for, for Beal... I'm getting a lot of the the wall vibes in the sense of like going back to the leadership and you know well it's not my job to to get players here to motivate people you know that kind of thing and um when you want that sort of super max deal and you're not a LeBron Kevin Durant level player to me you need to bring something else to the table and that ideally would be in the locker room as a leader, being the on-court coach. And he doesn't do that either. And how he handles the media with certain things and just his answers to the post games, I'm getting really tired of. Like, it's embarrassing. Like, yeah, no shit, genius. It's been embarrassing for four fucking years. And I I don't see what he's really been doing to to really help that in terms of the locker room leadership aspect and on the floor i mean the the results speak for itself sometimes he's good sometimes he's not um but like matt was saying i think the the point beal stuff has been pretty encouraging so i i hold my star players to a higher standard too probably more so than i should so this is going to be a pretty hard grade on beal but i am going to give him a c minus as well um and i lied that wasn't the last one We'll, we'll save Tommy Shepard for the offseason because I don't really think that there's a way to really grade someone who hasn't really done anything during the season. Uh, maybe after the trade. Well, we have to see how the trade deadline works out. So end of season is probably more appropriate for Tommy Shepard. But I feel like we've seen enough to give a grade on Wes Unsell Jr. And Dama, we'll start with you, obviously. Yeah, this one, this is probably the hardest one for me because, you know, to start the year, like, you know, that 10 and 3 stretch, like, I mean, he was greatest he was coach of all time. <laughs> it was master class, man. Like the the play the plays he would call out of timeouts, the 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 subs, the situational subs he would make. Um, he would kind of ride the hot hand in the fourth. Like if you if it was a lineup that was doing well, he would just ride that lineup. Um and then it's kind of been like, okay, it's almost like he has like a a, a I don't know, some index cards of points he wants to do, you know, lineups he wants to run and, and the time he wants to give certain players. And he just sticks to that and he doesn't he doesn't deviate from it. The offense has been kind of it still just looks bad, man. Like, I, I don't really know what 
what the identity of the offense is. Like, what are they trying to accomplish every night? Um, Some nights they want to get to the paint and score a lot of paint points. Some nights they want to shoot a bunch of threes. Some nights they want to, you know, run up and down and transition. Other nights they move at snail, snail pace. So I don't know what the identity is of the offense. And when you watch the players, a lot of times they kind of just look confused. Um, and then it's just like, okay, well, let's just give it to Bill or give it to Kuzma and get out the way. Um, and it just looks bad, man. So, uh, and then, and as a defensive coach, how do you justify playing Neto as much as he likes to play Neto the way Neto has looked? How do you justify pulling Gafford when he's not in foul trouble, um, for other guys who are, who are poor defenders? Like, you know, you're putting Bertans in at the five, like, you're a defensive coach. Like, you know who the best defenders on this team are. Like, I, I would think a guy like him would kind of lean into his defenders kind of like Tibbs does. Like, he's going to go down on the ship with a with a Taj Gibson in the game because he know Taj Gibson is going to give him that effort on the defensive end. Um, I, I just don't see that with Wes. I just see a guy that just kind of – he just looks like a first-year head coach, man. Like, he's just trying to figure it out just like everybody else. So – uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go see uh, with him. He's just been yeah average team average. He average roster average. Like yeah, see <laughs> for West. Yeah, I think that's probably fair. I literally just put a question mark next to his name because I I just don't know. I mean, to your point about like the index card, that's what assistant coaches do, right? Like you have a guy that keeps a sheet of here's the script. And Wes has probably been that guy a lot. And now it seems like he's scared to deviate from that. Like, I hated when Scott Brooks would, like, justify taking out a hot hand or playing somebody that sucked because he was coaching from feel. But some amount of that is, like, legitimate. Like, you do have to kind of get a feel for when this... Like, Brooks just did it in ways that didn't make sense and said the feel thing to justify it, in my opinion. But, like, for Wes, like you got to be like, all right, Kuzma just hit three threes. Maybe I shouldn't go sit him for four minutes. Like, that kind of stuff doesn't doesn't track to me. Or, like, shake it up enough um, that, like, like, okay, nobody's good tonight. Like, you're all going to sit for the next four minutes, regardless of script. And Gil is coming out. Holiday is coming. You know, like, we're going to put all these guys out here that are at least going to, like, hustle or do something. So... I don't know. Like, the on-court stuff hasn't been great. I think it's hard to really judge. I think he's trying to learn on the fly. I don't think this is the easiest group to coach, personally. I mean, Beal is super catered to, so I I can't imagine that Wes is going to make a ton of impact with him from, like, a mindset perspective. Trez is probably tough. Dinwiddie is quirky. Like, uh, so it, it can't be like an easiest first head coaching job, I, I wouldn't think. But the off-court stuff I've liked, the fact that he stands up in the media like sessions and says, like, this person was bad, this person was bad, I was bad because this is, you know, blah, blah, blah. Nick Nurse outcoached me. Like, I, I give people credit for for transparency. And then you have the athletic article, you know, where people were whining about stuff behind the scenes. And he was like, they haven't whined to me. My door's always open. So that's a them problem if they're not happy with their role. Like, I kind of give him props for that, too. So I I don't know. I I think you can't really say for sure on this one just because we don't know what 
he's trying to get them to do and whether or not they're doing it. The fact that he's had to say, like, we've dumbed down the offense. I mean, maybe he has a really creative offense and they're just not doing it. I, I, that's, it's all, that's why I put a question mark. Yeah, I mean, both of you made really good points here. And I think, so I'm kind of teetering on the C plus C. I think I'm going to end up giving him a C plus just because of the stuff that you were saying, Matt. Like, I think in, in a sense, he's been kind of given a raw deal with the with the different personalities and veterans on the roster as well as catering to Beal. And I mean, you could tell at the beginning of the season that like these guys just had no idea what, what they were running on offense. And now you can look at that and say, um, well, it came out in reports that you guys didn't really work on offense, so maybe this is actually a West problem and not a player problem. But after the 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 defensive shit that we had to watch for the past five years, um, well, I guess four years, I guess Scott Brooks' first year really wasn't that bad defensively, at least on, I don't know, I don't remember. Anyway, um, the emphasis was there on that floor that they needed to buy in, even with a totally different roster, so everyone was praising that for the defensive work that they were putting in during the preseason. But I am going to give Wes a C plus just because again, I don't know what they're trying to accomplish on either. And truth be told, I believe that if they were going to play his style of basketball, they would be playing how they were at the beginning of the season with the slow pace. Um, We're going to grind you out on the offensive end and, on the defensive end, we're not gonna, you know, we're not gonna turn the ball over. We're gonna go back and we're gonna make you guys run an offense to score on us. And that that kind of was working at the beginning. And then there was a small stretch there where it wasn't working and we were getting blown out by everyone. And then when they head out, they uh went out west, they kind of switched their style up a little bit and then they started winning a little bit more. Um, but I, I will give Wes a C plus. Um and just so one thing too, like the, the sure. offense has been like top six the last yeah. 16, 17 games. I mean, with this Celtics game is probably going to drop them a bit <laughs> since they didn't even get 90 points. But uh, yeah. the offense has yeah. been top 10 the last few games. It's just, it's even, even though still, it, it just doesn't look cohesive. It's, it's, just, yeah. it's, they just, still it's just guys just been playing well. Um, but yeah, it's like they have those, like you said, the, the three, four minute droughts. Where they can't score. Um, so, Damo, you've been very active on Wizards Twitter in terms of the the Bradley Beal debates and the the direction of the franchise. And I think that, that there's pretty much two two schools of thought. First of all, I don't think anyone is saying that Bradley Beal is worth a supermax contract. That's not what I don't think. Anyone is saying talent wise, skill wise, on court stuff, no one is saying that he is worth that. But at the end of the day, and you look at your business, you have two options. You know, you can, in this case, you can suck up the money and, and pay up and not be a disaster. You know, because you, you, well, you got to think about it now. I mean, how much worse can this really get for rosters going forward even if you pay brad the supermax and i mean right now this is a 500 team it's not like we we have like 20 wins right now or something like the the way people talk about beal and like the trajectory going into future years like they act like we have 15 to 20 wins right now and we're not even in a play-in scenario like the the play-in was expected for this year at least for me that's where i saw us and then there's the other side of this where you know it's like 
no, we should just trade him, um, move off of him. He's not worth it. So I, I, it's not that, that the side that wants Beetle to stay is necessarily saying that he's worth it, I don't think. It's just more of, do you want to continue to try and win where maybe you can get lucky one year and get to the second round or something like that? Um, or, you know, you can blow it up and then you have Denny, Rui, Gafford, Kispert, whatever you bring back from the Beal trade and say, okay, well, this is our foundation. Let's go try and win with it. But, Damo, I kind of want to let you get your, your thoughts out on this, purchase because I know you've been talking with different people about it on the timeline, like with Troy and um, different Wizards fans. So I figured I'd let you start with this. Yeah, sure, man. Like, uh, I, I thought, I mean, I, I think I've been pretty clear in my stance on Bill. Like, I mean, we... Uh, I've never accused Bradley Bill of being a top 10 player. I've never said he's a MVP level guy. I've never even said he was a number one capable of, of lifting a mediocre team to, you know, the second round or to a conference appearance, conference finals appearance. All I've ever said is that, you know, he's one of the best guards in the league. He's a top 15, top 20 guy. And typically, when you get a guy like that, for for a Wizards organization that's poor at drafting, that's poor at acquiring free agents, making trades, you usually lock that guy up and then you try to acquire another guy. So similar to what the Suns have done with, with Devin Booker, who, again, nobody had before they got Chris Paul, nobody had Devin Booker as a top 15, top 20 guy. He was not making all NBA teams. He was barely making the all-star team. Same thing with Zach Levine. Nobody had him as a top 15, top 20 guy. Wasn't making all NBA. Wasn't making all-star teams. Uh, And then you saw how their, their front offices went and added talent around those guys to kind of supplement what they may have lacked in ability. Um, I just think the Wizards, I think the front office and the fan base as a whole needs to, to set proper expectation and be more, uh, I would say realistic about what this roster is and, and, and just how hard it is to, to win in this league. Like if you look, the last 11 championships have gone to five players, Giannis, LeBron, Steph, KD, and uh, Kawhi. Kawhi. Right? So we can say off rip, those five guys are number ones <laughs> just off of their body of work and winning titles. And then I would throw in that group probably Luka, Embiid, Jokic. Um, that might be it for me. Maybe Dame. I, I, I don't know. The way he's looked this year, I'm not sure. I mean, uh, if we're, if we're so, saying Beal's not, then Dame's not. Yeah, so it's like, Hard unless you have close, one of those. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, unless you have one of those top eight, definitely got to be top ten guys. But then you have to be a front office that can find other talent via the draft, via free agency, uh, to add around your guy and, and, and kind of supplement the roster. But if you're going to have a Bradley Beal or Devin Booker or even a Spider Mitchell, and then you're going to give him a bunch of Isaac Bongas, Jerome Robinsons, 
you know, I, I, I'm not sure what, what, what you're expecting. Like, we're asking Kyle Kuzma to be our second best player. Like, I, I don't know what people are expecting from this, this, this team with Bradley Beal at the head of it, and you're asking Kuzma and Dinwiddie to be your two and three. Like, this team was projected for 34 wins for a reason. Um, now, they're probably definitely going to hit the over on that, but I, I, that, that's just pretty much where I'm at with it. Like, get a better roster, and you'll see more wins. Um, I, I'm not going to try to classify Beal like he's like Tobias Harris or something, or if we give him a super max, you know, we're going to be destined for 20-win seasons. Damo, really quick, but before uh, I let Matt get in on this, what would you say to the people that say giving Bradley Beal the Supermax will hinder you from from getting a better roster? And here's one point I wanted to make, and then I'll, I'll let you get back to this, but if you trade for a guy like Sabonis and he's at 19 mil for the next two seasons, does that kind of balance out when you consider that you're giving Brad a Supermax? So now it's kind of like you're just paying two guys on a max contract, for example, which is typically what a winning formula is now in the NBA, I feel like. Yeah, so it's it's like I think people are scared off with the idea of a Supermax because, I mean, we gave it to we gave Gil a big contract. He got hurt. We gave John Wall a big contract. And I think on that contract, he played maybe 30 games because he was hurt. Um, For me, I kind of trust Bill's work ethic regarding his body, his health. Um, So I'm not so. And then, you know, the last few years, he hasn't been hurt. I mean, he started his career with some injury issues and he talked about changing his diet, his work habit. And it corrected it. We haven't seen any major issues with him injury wise. Uh. So I don't think once we give Bill this money that all of a sudden he's going to suffer a back injury or or, you know, an Achilles. Like, I just think he's going to be, you know, a 25, five and five shooting guard. Um, the question is, how efficient is he going to be? Is he going to get that three ball back? And is he going to keep those turnovers down? And I feel like if if he does that, I don't feel like it's going to be an issue moving off of the contract if that's what we want to do a year or two from now. Um, and we know it's going to be suitors out there trying to add a player like that that are trying to get over the hump. Um, so, yeah, and, and that, that, that's pretty much where I'm at with it. But either way, whether you pay Bill or you don't pay Bill, you got to draft better. Like, you got to be the team that hit on a Pascal Siakam at 27. You got to be the team that hits on a Spider Mitchell at 13 or, uh, you know, I mean, I can go down a list of guys. Um that that weren't top five picks that turned out to be all-star level players. The Wizards never do that. They they you know we don't hit on a Fred Van Vliet undrafted. You know we got to start doing that. And if we don't, this is what it's going to be. Whether we keep Bill or we blow it up. Matt, I'll let you go now. If you have any thoughts on this. So here's my general sense on this. One, GMs don't look at the NBA the way fans do. No one is looking, like, pick whatever front office you want to look at. Let's say Bob Myers and the Warriors. They're not looking at Beal as the way he's produced this year. They're looking at Beal on a whole, and they're going to assume that there's some weird shit going on this year. And that's not the player he is because that's not the player he's been they're looking at, you know, some average of this year, last year, the year before that, 
right? And, Be- and Beal's an asset. Um, the people that are posting rankings and saying Beal is like the equivalent of Tim Hardaway Jr. and shit like that, like you're just you're embarrassing yourself. Like he's just not that kind of player. He's also not Kevin Durant. So when you say he's worthy, not of supermax, but like the ten-year veteran max, that's just basically a supermax, right? Like. Whether he's worth that or not, it doesn't matter. That's what he's going to get. He's not worth the same amount of money KD is from a value dollar production, you know, per production standpoint. But he's also better than the Tobias Harris's of the world that are maxing out what they can make. So it's just, you got to look at this a certain way. Like they don't have much wiggle room here. And you actually have to give him a deal, I think, no matter what. Because one, your owner wants him to, and two, it actually makes him more tradable, in my opinion. Everybody that's worried about uh, him becoming untradable as soon as he signs this deal, again, GMs are not looking at it the way you are. They think they can bounce him back. They think, you know, in a new environment, he'll play the way he's played the last couple years or be more efficient in a third, second, third role, as opposed to carrying a bad team. So it's all wasted breath to me to talk about whether or not they're going to trade Beal. They're not going to do it. The owner doesn't want to do that. And trading him now with like a limited amount of time left on a contract, that's going to scare certain teams away from giving you a real payout. Whereas if you have him extended, like if you have him under contract long-term, there are more GMs that are going to want a long-term locked-in asset, even if it's at a crazy number. Like, the Warriors print money. They are not going to be scared away from trading for Beal in two years because he's on a, on a you know, $50 million a year deal. Like, it's just it's not, this is not where they're at. So, um, to, to your point a second ago, Damo, like, it's, you need, like, what Jason Tatum and, and Jalen Brown did a couple years ago on, like, rookie-scale production playing at an all-star level around Beal for them to have any chance of doing anything. Like, it's not... Like, could he be better? Yeah. Is he uh, sort of underwhelming when you look at the KDs of the world and what they make money per dollar? You know, like, per dollar production. Like, yeah, okay, sure, but he's the best the Wizards are going to get. They'd be stupid to not lock him up. And then you figure it out from there. Like, it, it just it doesn't change anything in my mind. So, I don't know. That That's kind of where I keep coming back to. Like, true... Us saying we should trade him doesn't mean they'll ever trade him. So why are we talking about it? So you personally, you would keep him, though? I mean, first of all, yeah. Yeah, I would. I think you have to. Like, you, right. you, you get more value for him if he's under contract, in my opinion. So the, this kind of comes back to a lot of people are pointing to this situation like, well, a lot of people said we had to pay Otto Porter and look how that paid out. Um, and I remember, I think it was Ben Standig that made this point a while back when they did it, and everyone was kind of mad at him for saying that. But the the matter of the fact is they did have to pay Otto Porter, because if they didn't pay him, there was going to be no money left over to, to get a significant upgrade, um, because they wouldn't have any of those guys' bird rights. The, the, the thing with re-signing Otto Porter is, you know, you had his bird rights. You were allowed to go over the cap to retain him, and... Um, I think this is kind of that same situation a little bit where, you know, if you, if he opts out and you go into the off season, you know, suddenly you have a little bit of wiggle room to maybe try and do something. If you want to 
shuffle around some guys if you don't make a move now. Or, I mean, you could even acquire a guy now and then in the offseason. I've told Domo this countless times, and I don't know if you agree with me on this, Matt, but, you know, you can bring in two guys that, that make around, like, 18, 19 mil. We have the, the salary to do, like, two moves that are that type of level money-wise. It's just a matter of can Tommy find those right guys and can we bring him in? I think that the, the most popular name right now is Sabonis. And I think that um, Sabonis, Kuzma, Beal is not the the worst core that you can have, especially when you consider that the, the way Kuzma and, and Sabonis play. I mean, those two deals are looking like bargains if you put that next to Beal on the Supermax and then you can still have some some wiggle room to get some veterans and free agency and you know next year maybe you can come back and say okay we're gonna go try for the the fourth or, or the fifth seed this year but um do you have any follow-ups with that go look at the teams that won the championships and you can point to yes it's been five players but I would imagine in those 11 seasons at least 10 of them the team was in the luxury tax like probably pretty considerably. So it's really hard to build a winner unless you get unbelievably lucky. You draft an all-world player 15th, and he immediately produces like that. Instead of adding Dinwiddie, you get DeJounte Murray, and he takes a huge jump. Like You would need so many things right. to break right to build a championship-level team here uh that that just you're not that's not the real like the world that we're operating in so it's all about like expectations like what are they trying to build i did this on the last episode of my pod like Ted Leosis does not want them to be a championship team if they are great but like that's not goal number one goal is get into playoffs make some playoff money keep enough butts in seats which they're not even really doing but to be keep people going to the uh, to the sports book like all this other stuff and just maintain short-term value while the value of the team increases exponentially because NBA teams as investments keep increasing exponentially. So is he going to pay luxury tax to take us from a six seed ceiling to a four seed ceiling? No. So we just got to be real about where we are as a franchise. If Tommy does everything right, could they sneak into an Eastern Conference Finals with Beal as their best player? Maybe if they had a couple other guys on good deals that produced at similar levels to him. Sure, but those are a lot of ifs. And blowing it up isn't going to happen because, again, that's not where they want to be. So we can kind of stop talking about that. Could they maybe do a short rebuild, retool thing and stay at the same level? Okay, maybe that's something, but... You know, is that the best move either? I, I don't know. So it just, we're stuck with what we got here. I think people just need to learn to accept it and hope Tommy pulls off some magic. I would like to think that a player, like if this was a destination that we would have gotten someone, you know, over time. And, and let's be real, when we had Wall and Beal and Wall was in his prime and, and Beal was on his way, you know, we we all were like, you know, KD to DC, let's make it happen. And we hired his high school coach, and then we also hired Scott Brooks. That dumb the shit killed them, by the way. That whole he, line of thinking killed us. Oh, that was horrible. Right, and and my, I, I say all that to say, he didn't even meet with us. So, It's a guy I that say, picked Texas because he wanted to be as far away from home as possible. We suddenly thought would want to be back at home. Good thought. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, all of the intel on that was that he didn't. Yeah, like you said, Matt, he didn't want to be in D.C. for various reasons. Um, but but I, I actually like the line of thinking. Like I like them saying, "Oh, okay, well maybe we should hold off on Ariza, uh, so we can try to go get Kevin Durant." Like I, I like the line of thinking, but it was just it was just in the wrong. It was just with the wrong player. You know, like it needed to be a player that you actually thought you could acquire, not somebody you were just hoping and praying you could get. Um, so but yeah, like they have to be I, I, I always come back to this point with this team. Like if you look at their drafts, like you look at all of the teams over the last 10 years that have made it to the finals outside of the Lakers, because they don't really they don't draft and develop. But. If you look at all the teams, you look at their last three or four drafts when they make it to the finals, it's all right there. Like, if you're going to draft one good player, one good or great player every 10 years, you're never going to be there. I mean, I just we just don't draft well enough to kind of get that cheap talent that overperforms their rookie contract uh, that helps you supplement, you know, what you are not going to get free agency wise, you know? And so we keep, we keep trying to teeter with, oh, okay, is Bill a one? Is Bill a two? Is he a three? And it's just like, it he doesn't. He has to be. He has to be a one though. Cause that's who we only have. Yeah. Like he has to be a one because you don't know how to draft. Like, <laughs> like, like we talked about, uh, you know, Jokic, right? Like he went in the 2014 draft in the second round, man. You could have drafted him. Like, what what was your scouting department doing then? Um, so it's just like, again, we we gotta we gotta we gotta do the fundamental basic things better first. Like the the, the bill discussion for me is really just pointless at this point because if they don't do the other things right, it's not gonna matter. It's it could be it's gonna be Bradley Bill the problem. It's gonna be John Wall the problem. Gill the problem. Some eighth grader that's you know we're gonna draft six years from now. He gonna end up being the problem. And, and we're never going to get to the root of the issue. Um, so that's kind of where I'm at with it. So really quick before we get out of here, let's, we talk about drafting a lot. And, and there is some, you know, th- that argument does hold a lot of weight. So let's play a game. Um, let's quickly try and name every draft pick from the 2010 draft to now. So starting in 2010, I think our picks were Wall, Chris Singleton, Shelvin Mack. Is that right? From that year, uh, the the Singleton year, that year, they took they took Seraphin first round that year. Um, oh yes, yes. Uh, yeah, Singleton was twenty eleven in the same draft with Jan Vesley. Okay, okay. Uh, so we took we took Jan Vesley over Kawhi and Clay, and then we took Chris Singleton over Jimmy Butler. So the year they took Wall, I, I, I had this handy because I was like crying myself to sleep last night um, looking <laughs> at this. So the, they took Wall first, Lazar Haywood, Hayward, uh, 30th. That's right. That's and they right. traded him. They took Nemanja Bialica, 35th, traded him. Next year they took Vesely, Singleton, and Shelvin Mack, 34th. Uh, the next year they took Beal and Sadoransky. The following year they took Otto Porter. 38th, they took Nate Walters from South Dakota State, who was a very good <laughs> college player, but they traded him away. 
they took 54th. They took Arsalan Kazimi, who was actually oh, my boy. God. My boy coached him, but uh, he was like a 9-9 nine and nine player at Oregon and never really played in the league for very long. The next year, they took Jordan Clarkson, 46th overall, because they traded their first-round pick, and they traded him. The next year, they took Jerrion Grant, 19th overall, traded him. They took Aaron White, 49th, eventually turned <laughs> him into Bertons. Troy Brown, 15th. Isuf Sanan, 44th. That still pains me. Rui, they took the next year at 9th, no second-round pick. They took Denny, 9th, and Vit Krejci, uh, 37th, and traded him to OKC. And then we took Kispert and had no second-round pick. So That Jaron Grant year was the oh, year yes, we that... Did. We took uh, that was the, the Jaron Grant year was the Ubre year, right? Because uh, one of those picks yeah. was traded, because I remember yeah. we traded yeah. up for Ubre. Yeah, I think you're right. And Ubre again, not on the roster. So we say all this to say, guys, um, we're we're not exactly the the draft house in terms of finding all star level players. I mean, again, we, we have two. One isn't even on the roster anymore, um, and our our number three, our, our even our top ten pick investments outside of Wall and Beal have not been good. Jan Vesely, uh, bust. Otto Porter, bust. I mean, so I, Otto it, was really good. For a couple years, really good. Yeah, Auto was good. It, it's just the he wasn't hundred million three, dollars good. I mean, yeah, he wasn't a hundred million dollars good. He wasn't a third option on a title to contender good. Like he was a fourth or a fifth. Especially when you had Bojan and Ubre that you right. could have re-signed to do what you know for half of what you were paying Auto. Right. So, yeah, again, the, the point was this is more of an issue than just Beal. And I know people can say, well, Ernie's been out of the building. He's not responsible for anything that's going on anymore. But Tommy's been trying to clean up his mess a little bit, which has led to some overpays now, which is hindering our roster even more. And, and those signings have nothing to do with Beal. Like, Dinwiddie playing bad is not Beal's fault. Breton's playing bad is not Beal's fault. So... Just to keep all that in perspective a little bit, I guess. And again, no one here is saying that, that Bradley Beal is is worth the, the Supermax based off of talent and production. No, no one is saying that. But you need to understand, again, like Matt was saying, what type of organization we are and what we typically do. And if you want to yell at a wall and scream and argue your points about it, that's great. But that doesn't mean that anything is going to change. Uh, before we get out of here, do you guys have anything to add? Can I, can I throw one thing onto that real quick? Like, sure. I, I don't actually like watching Bradley Beal play basketball that much. Like, it just, he just doesn't sure. do it for me. He never really yeah. has. It's just not for me. Like, I, I haven't liked the off-court stuff. I remember being in the locker room for a game, and he refused to talk to the media, and then mumbled about guys not playing defense from, like, five feet away. Like, I, I get the frustration, but, like, if you were the guy... You, you you can do that every once in a while and people will give you a pass. You can't do it all the time. Like the common denominator here a lot of the time is Beal. So you can think he's the problem. Like I don't even care. It still doesn't change the, oh, we need to trade him for Ben Simmons. And you see people posting Ben's a 6'11 six, six, and a half point guard. He's going to change. The, like you're just shuffling the deck for more of the same issues. You're still locked in. 
to what you're locked into. Like you need Tommy to be perfect to kind of clean up the previous regime's mess, which he played a part in, to be fair. But it still doesn't change the fact that like getting rid of Beal for like distressed assets just to panic and get rid of him doesn't make your team better and isn't a realistic thing that they're ever going to do. I think that's a perfect way of putting it. Damo, you got anything? Yeah, I, I would just piggyback off of that. Like, I, I you're just shuffling the, the chairs around. Um, like, if, if we're talking about trading Beal for uh, another max player who's not as good as Beal, like, what is that accomplishing? Like, if you're trading Beal for Jalen Brown or, or Ben Simmons, they're both on max deals. They're a little bit younger, but we'll be 12 months later blaming them for why we can't win 50, 50 games. Like... It'll be this. It'll be the same thing. Like again, like um, we the just got to like, go ahead. No, I was just, I was just like, we just got to do. You know, Tommy's gonna have to work magic, man. You're gonna have to hit. You're gonna have to hit on those cheap draft picks, man. And you're gonna have to pay out some money to some free agents that actually play above their contract, not under it. Um, and so far, he hasn't done that. Dinwiddie and Bertans have been have been negative assets so far given their contract money. Uh, so you got to be better. The, what I was going to say is the bar will be raised for Rui and Denny then. And when they don't average 25 to 27 points on 58, 59% true shooting and they're, um, you know, not doing all that crazy stuff that they expect Beal to do, you know, I mean, it's again, they're just going to find themselves disappointed and then they're going to want to do it all over again. So um, and I get it. When you're number three overall, you know, you've been with the franchise for a long time. Like, again, I, I'm with Matt. I don't even, like, necessarily love watching him on the court. But, again, it's just you got to kind of realize what, what franchise we are. And ideally, we should be a big market, but we don't operate like that. And then you can go and blame Ted, sure. But, you know, to for me, that doesn't start with Bradley Beal. So, um, can, I, can I throw one more thing in here real quick? Sorry, guys. I know. Yeah, we're no, going go for long, it. Go but- for it. When, when I went through that list of Wizards draft picks, you'll notice that there are a lot of years where they took one person or two people and it was a 54th right. pick that they traded. Just look at, like, Denver as a comp. These guys have drafts where they have five guys, six guys. Like, they value the draft and draft picks because they know you're going to whiff as many times as you hit and you get as many swings as the bat as you can. Like, 2014, they took Doug McDermott 11th. And he ultimately got traded. Uh, but, like, that's what that their first-round pick, their lottery pick, got used for that year. They took Jokic 41st. They, you know, uh, they took Evan Fournier 20th one year. Um, Jamal Jer- Murray draft, they took him 7th. Juan Hernan Gomez 15th. Malik Beasley 19th. Like, Monte Morris went 51st. Uh, he took Michael Porter mm. 14th. Like, they took a risk on stuff. And they whiffed on a good amount of dudes, but they hit on just enough guys because they gave themselves chances. So, like, as an organization, whatever you think of Tommy, like, he's been trying to get draft picks back that Ernie got rid of. Uh, and that's why we're not good, because we didn't hit on draft picks for a decade. The end. And maybe that's why we haven't seen a trade, because Tommy's not ready to give up the draft capital. So. Yeah, or you trade our guys for draft capital, and then you hope that this is the offseason that you, like, build actual productive teams. I don't know. Um, Dom, you got anything else? 
Yeah, man. Like I, I, the Heat, man. They're finding guys undrafted that are producing at the same level as our top ten picks. Like, I, I, it's levels to this, man. Like, <laughs> like it's levels. Well, I think that was a, a good but fitting and depressing way to to end the pod here. So, as always, guys, if you aren't subscribed to the show, make sure you are. If you're already subscribed, unsubscribe and resubscribe. Trust me, it helps. Leave a five-star review. Leave a comment. Go listen to the Believe in Wizards podcast. Matt hosts it with... Former Wizards player Larry Hughes, which Matt, when is when is Larry coming back to the show anyway? Because he's been out for a while now, right? That's a really great question. I wish I had a better answer for you. So, so Larry's son is a high school uh, senior this year, and he's like a top one hundred prospect himself. So Larry's like they play a national schedule. They're literally like on the road the whole year. So he's just kind of locked in on that. It honestly, it might not be like a regular thing this season, and we'll just try to get back to it, um, you know, as a weekly thing next year. Well, either way, make sure you guys go listen to the show anyway. Follow him on Twitter at Matt Moderno. You guys know where to find me and Dama on Twitter, but thanks for listening, and we will see you next time.